You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the No Low Ballers podcast. I'm Logan Medish of High Caliber History, your host, and I'm seated around the table with a, a great group of guys. We've got Alan from Gunbroker, we've got Chris from Houndsman XP, and we've got Rick from Gobbler Knob Long Rifles. Uh, and we're, we're talking hunting and we're talking conservation um, because it's that time of year and, and we've got uh, the, the perfect people sitting around the table with us uh, to do just that. And when I say perfect people, it's I'm not referring to Alan in his no. Go Wild and Gunbroker <laughs> co-branded. Hey, I, I heard we're going to have some conservation officers on. I wanted to just play it safe. Play it safe. Make sure, you're, make sure you're in the orange. Damn Game Wardens. <laughs> <laughs> That's the title of the episode. Damn Game Wardens. You know, would have gotten away with it, too, if it wasn't for those pesky Game Wardens. Yeah. You know? I'm sure you guys have heard that a lot. We had a um, podcast called The Laws Down the Road, and there's a story that goes with that. Okay. Yeah. But but yeah, so that's so that's what we're doing here is is both Chris and Rick have backgrounds uh, in uh, game warden. I'm sure you guys called them different things in Pennsylvania and, right. and Indiana. So I've what, been trying to keep this secret for a long time, Logan. Thanks yeah. for exposing me. We oh. will we will put you in the <laughs> No Low Ballers Witness Protection Program. <laughs> it's, it's what he does. He outs people's gun broker accounts. He outs people's former. Cru- it's just just what he does. <laughs> yeah, it's it's we, kind of the thing. We've been we've been called a bunch of things throughout my career. Uh, uh, Asshole's the, probably the, the nicest one. Well, right? yeah. <laughs> But the funniest one I heard was when I moved to Tennessee from Pennsylvania. And, you know, up there, uh, we were called wildlife conservation officers at that time, although Pennsylvania has since uh, renamed them to game wardens because, you know, again, they went, they went back to game. Yeah. Warden. Yeah. Wow. It was game protector at first yeah. and then wildlife conservation officer. Now mm-hmm. it's now it's state game warden. Wow. But anyway, you know, possum cop is, is, is Crick, a stick, possum cop, turtle trooper. I never heard tr- trout <laughs> trooper. I've heard trout trooper, uh, but cricket dick was, I heard that yeah. when I came here <laughs> and I'll tell you what, I, I was drinking coffee at the time and it came out my nose. Oh my <laughs> yeah, God. For sure. I, I feel so boring. I, I've never heard this from any of the Nebraska conservation guys I know and hang out with, well, Yeah, but I got a whole new list to start calling them. Yeah, that's great. right. I used to work yeah. for the National Park Service uh, in Virginia and, uh, and of course, you know, you got the badge and everything on the Park Service uniform and I 
was not law enforcement with the park service but we had i lived uh, I lived in this little neighborhood i was renting an attic uh, of all places i was fresh out of college and and there were uh, the quintessential rednecks lived across the street you know the cars up on cinder blocks the engines <laughs> on in the lawn and they would see me come home from work every day you know in my uniform and and very drunkenly one time because they were very loud i heard them arguing over what it was that i do for a living they're like oh new neighbor's a cop and you're like he's not a cop he's a game warden you know like oh not a game warden you know they, they ran down yeah. everything that you wear a badge for except park service you know so yeah. uh, they never got to it but you know that's that's something that uh, on a more serious note uh i commonly refer to people on the other side of the law as bad guys you know, whether they're bad or not, it doesn't matter. There's the good guys and the bad guys. Those are the bad guys. They do not distinguish between the uniform. No. They don't. They see a badge and a uniform, and that represents the law to mm-hmm. them. So most people cannot, or I shouldn't say most, a lot of people don't distinguish between yeah. between the agencies. They just don't for, for sure. whatever reason. I always liked it when you're standing in line at, say, McDonald's for lunch or whatever, and somebody's standing there, and they're looking at your patch, and they're looking at your gun, they're trying to looking at your badge, and they're like, and it's written on there, yeah. Indiana Conservation Officer, and they're like. Yeah, conservation's a big word, though, for some people. Yeah, yeah there's a lot of syllables. You a game warden? <laughs> like, yeah. What, what gave it away? Like, so, yeah. so how many ducks did you arrest today? You know? Right, right. <laughs> like, yes, I am, and can I take a look in the back of your truck, please? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and of course, taking a look in the back of the truck. I mean, that kind of gives us a, a good segue. You know, we've, we've got to talk about poaching and, and things because there's I, I know you guys have to have some some fantastic stories. I know all law enforcement guys have fantastic stories. And and being in the conservation realm, you guys, I'm sure can put a different twist on on some things. Uh, you know, one of the things that used to drive me nuts and still to this day drives me nuts is when I hear someone say, it's okay for somebody to, to kill a deer out of season or to poach if they're going to use the meat. And it, the reason that drives me nuts is because that is not okay. There are seasons and bag limits for a reason. If that philosophy is okay, then it must be okay for me to rob a bank if I need the money. Mm, that's a great analogy. And the, we, the other thing, the other side of that is, you know, you always get that question, well, what if this guy's really destitute? What if he's, you know, trying to feed his family? Over the 30 years of going to people's houses, these supposedly destitute people, they had money for, you know, you can see the beer cans in the yard, you can see the Marlboro cigarette butts, you can see the satellite dish, you know, all these other things. Mm -hmm. And it's like, what they, they, he was just trying to feed his family. Right. Well, you know, we we used to, Chris, you probably did the same thing, but we used to keep lists of, of needy families. And if we got, absolutely, we got a roadkill deer or one shot for crop damage or one that we seized because it was unlawfully taken, that was the first place we took it. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We didn't throw them over the bank or put them in a deer pit on the game lands. We took them to those needy families. Yeah. And that's, that's why that philosophy drives me nuts. Are there needy people? Absolutely. There are. But those people that you just described are the same ones that I saw, too. They had money for beer and cigarettes. They didn't need to be out whacking deer at night. Well, and hunters in general tend to be some of the most uh, giving people mm-hmm. out there. you know. And, sure. there's, and there's the Hunters for the Hungry program right. and stuff. And, you know, and I know plenty of people that you know, they go hunting every year, and they don't even like the meat. They donate it to the Hunters for sure. the Hungry program and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's so, yeah, there, there is a way. People, people are not going to go hungry 
with the wild game, they don't need to be out there. Right. And it always strikes me as funny how the, the tasty animals for those folks are the ones with the really big antlers. Usually. Always. <laughs> yeah, it's always. It's just yeah. a weird yeah. coincidence. Yeah. Yeah. Backstra- there's a correlation between antlers and backstraps, and the flavor factor goes up. There's a whole chart, you know. We, there, there is, like but I'm not cra- sure it works crazy that direction. Hot chicks. Crazy hot yes, chick matrix. Exactly. <laughs> the crazy hot chick matrix. There is a, 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 a antler tasty tenderloin matrix. We call it know? antler autoerotica. <laughs> ah, yeah. I like that. You see big horns and all of a sudden all sort of strange sensations going on. Yeah. It, it's funny yep. that, that uh, we're talking about this because uh, the, the policy in Pennsylvania for the use of the decoy, which I'm sure you probably had, your, you were exposed to that too. Oh, yeah. Uh, our policy was you could not use a big racked deer. We never could. It had to be a spike or four pointer or three pointer, something that was just you know, very mundane. Exactly, mm. gray for, man, for, gray man deer. For that, like that very reason, mm-hmm. because people lose their minds when they see a big rack. Yep, they absolutely come unhinged. So we, our policy was you couldn't use that. Um, but those that we did use, uh, we had fantastic success with. And you know, you didn't. Our policy was also you couldn't put it out there in the wide open field for everybody to see. Right. It had to be it had to be uh, hidden somewhat, so only the road hunter would see it. A dedicated poacher. Yeah, that's exactly. See, I'm, I'm from South Dakota, where the joke is everyone remembers their first deer by the mile marker they were at. So <laughs> that that hits a little close to home. <laughs> you know, you had asked if well, South uh, Dakota's weird anyway. I went uh, no argument. I was bird hunting in South Dakota, and I was hunting with a warden out there. And we're driving down the road, and he's got a shotgun loaded in the front seat of the truck. And I'm like, I'm not comfortable with this. And finally, he said, are you going to shoot pheasants, or are we going to just drive around all day? He goes, it's legal to step out of the truck and shoot a shoot a pheasant from here. That's like, crazy. Uh, uh, totally different from Pre-9-11, yeah. you have to realize, South Dakota was the state, because they would always have the news crews there every year for the opener of pheasants. You could fly into Joe Foss Field in Sioux Falls and get off the plane. But before you cleared security to leave, you could pick up your permit, your blaze, everything, your permits. The minute you passed the metal detectors, you could buy your shotguns and ammo in the airport. Wow. Pre-9-11. No way. Oh, yeah. I mean, they would set up. It was. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. It was. That's really cool. (laughs) It was beautiful. It was beautiful. Uh, you know, you had talked about decoys and stuff, and that immediately pings in my mind turkey hunting and, and reaping with the fans. And I know that in Tennessee, that was just made illegal this year. Everything um, that's fun is illegal. Every, <laughs> yes, all sorts. Of, well, women aren't illegal yet. Oh, that's but true. It, it will be. It's kind of, yeah. Anyway, I, that's another thing. But, <laughs> but, but talking about the, the reaping and... and because there's been concern that, oh, there was too many people getting shot, you know, by the Reaper guys out there with the Reaper fans. And I'm curious, have you, did you guys run into any issues of, of guys getting shot, being mistaken for turkeys? Yes, but not in scenarios like that. Okay. Um, Pennsylvania for, unfortunately during my time, and I served from 1987 until 2007 full time. And then uh, I was a deputy for two years before I left Pennsylvania altogether. Um, yes, the district that I had was Bradford County, Pennsylvania, and that had a trauma center, which was a helicopter flight from all surrounding counties and New York. So it was my job, if there was a hunting-related shooting incident that occurred in another county and the victim was, was flown to my hospital, I was tasked with going there 
to try to talk to that person is first of all see who shot him if he knew mm-hmm. and uh, uh, so yeah I've seen lots and lots of shooting related or hunting related shooting incidents but I've never investigated one where uh, a hunter used a fan lots of guys have been shot stalking turkeys mm-hmm. but I've never never seen them a situation like that yeah where i worked was kind of a hotbed for turkey hunting in the state of indiana southeast there and um you know the interesting thing is it kind of over the years people have again misnamed something or mislabeled something it's easy to talk about hunting accidents Mm -hmm. i like what you the way you put it you didn't say investigated hunting accidents Mm -hmm. ours was sporting arms casualty investigations so it's very seldom there was only one incident in my entire career that it was not due to some form of negligence yep. mm-hmm. on the part of the shooter. Mm-hmm. You know, not identifying target, not having a backstop, you know, unsafe handling of a firearm, things like that. Yeah. You know, very seldom is it a deal where it's an accident, you know, right, like getting right. struck by lightning. Sure. There was only one. I grew up in Michigan, and one of my favorite stories was we had a guy who for whatever reason, decided to go hunting wearing a zebra print jacket. His logic was, well, Ted you know, Nugent's from. Well, he is, yes. Yeah, and, uh, yeah and I'll be hunting with Ted next week, actually. Okay. Um, was it Ted? Uh, no, it, it wasn't. No, You're Ted, just driving around. In, you'll be driving around in a zebra striped Bronco. No, yeah. t- Ted hunts in leopard print. <laughs> <laughs> He's but, fine. He's but fine. so this guy <laughs> had, had a zebra print jacket on, and his logic was, well, you know, zebras aren't, out in the wild in Michigan, like so that works good enough as camo anyway, you know. <clears throat> good enough's never good enough, right? And he got shot by this other guy. Um and so they went and you know and they they arrested the shooter and they were asking him, he was like, why the what did did you not see him? And he's like, Well, no, I, I saw the guy, you know, or I saw a zebra, you know, and he was like, So I shot at it. And he was like well, what makes you think there are wild zebra in Michigan? You know, like I mean, that, that's why it's rare. You got no bag kid. it, right? Yeah, but it's so like it a piebald deer. You got it. <laughs> yeah, but it just cracked me up. He was like, "Well, yeah, I knew exactly what. I, of course, I thought it was a zebra. That's why I shot it." And you're just like, "Well, what?" We, we used to call them hunting accidents when I first started with the with the game commission, but it was changed to hunting related shooting incident because if you fell out of your tree stand and broke your arm, that was a hunting accident. Mm-hmm. So they were. I don't. I don't want to say that they were trying to doctor the numbers, but they didn't want to make it look as bad as as what it was looking like. I so see. well, the so other part. Were, the other part of it is sometimes there's a criminal element to it. When right. you can show when yep. you can show negligence mm-hmm. on the part of a person, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and does bodily harm to someone else, you're responsible at that. You're responsible right. for that shot that comes out of the end of your your barrel absolutely and if you are negligent in the discharge of that firearm and you cause serious injury or death to somebody it's not like you know well we'll just let you go home and grieve right there's got to be some responsibility Mm -hmm. for that sure yeah people think that they're you know that that there are different rules because oh well i was hunting like no Murder's yeah. still murder, and you know, yeah. homicide is still homicide. As right. Smith says, every bullet or wad of shot that leaves your barrel has a lawyer attached to it, mm-hmm. and that yep. doesn't matter That's if you're hunting story. at Seven Eleven. Mm-hmm. It don't matter. Yep. Yep. True Absolutely. Story. So I'm sure you guys have some great poaching stories. <laughs> so uh, the, you know, and I'll leave it to your discretion as to you know the the most egregious or the most ridiculous or whatever. But we we got to have uh, a good at least one good poaching story from each of you. Mm. Go ahead. You know, that's, man, 
my career was was more than 20 years. That's a lot of that's a lot, a lot of, of poaching, a lot of stuff stuff to go back through. But one one that does come to to my mind um, happened by chance, really. Uh, I was on patrol. It was during deer season, and I had to relieve myself. And I pulled off by the side of the road where there was an old abandoned barn. Now, keep in mind, this is rural Pennsylvania. There's weren't many houses around, and you could do that kind of thing. And as I'm standing there by this barn, I'm on the outside of the barn, I'm looking in, and I see a bunch of deer hanging in there. And it's deer season. And I'm thinking to myself, there's nobody around. What, why are these deer in here? And you weren't in the curtilage of anyone's home? No. There was no. There was a home. So open fields doctor. Yeah. Yep. So I could tell that they had been shot and they were field-dressed, but it was in Pennsylvania at that time, there was a separate deer season for antlered deer and antlerless deer. These were all antlerless deer during the antlered deer season, so they were they were illegal. It wasn't an active farm, so they, they couldn't claim, be claimed as crop kills. There was a trailer down the road three or 400 yards away, and uh, I did some, I, I left there without going inside, and uh, I did some legwork to find out who lived in that trailer, because my first instinct was to, whoever lived there is probably the ones who, who did this. Found out who they were. And got a phone number for him. This was back before cell phones. They had a had a home phone. And I instructed one of my deputies, whose daughter was trying to, to become a deputy as well. I said, here's what I want you to do. We're going to stake this place out, and I want you to call that house. And I don't care who answers the phone, man or woman. Don't tell them who you are, but just say, hey, I'm at the courthouse. There's a bunch of game wardens here getting a search warrant, and I heard your name mentioned. And I want you to hang up the phone. Now, that was a shot in the dark. I had no idea if this person was involved in this or not. So we got the place staked out, and I radioed. I said, have her make that call. And a couple minutes later, they call back and say she made the call. They no sooner said that to me than the front door of that trailer burst wide open. A guy comes running out of the house, gets into his truck, and screams down the road to me, comes in sideways at the barn entrance, and runs inside. And by the time I got to the door, he had a leg of one deer and was trying to grab another one and pull it out. <laughs> so, yeah, and after we talked to him for a few minutes, he confessed that he had killed all those deer. There was five of them, and he had killed them all. So that's that's being in the right place at the right time. All because you had to pee. And all because I had to yep. pee. Thank yep. God for that 7-Eleven Big Gulf, say, right? <laughs> this arrest brought to you by Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. a good one yeah all right all uh, right chris what you got uh probably there's been so many crazy like like rick said 28 years doing it you get all kinds of crazy stories but you know probably one of the most memorable cases was um a guy who had shot 14 turkeys during the spring turkey season Holy cow. <laughs> that seems it, like a little bit over yeah and it ranged from uh west virginia ohio kentucky and indiana this guy just had a problem with was shooting turkeys. He was shooting turkeys and checking them in on landowner tags. His, you know, his boss's wife tur- checked one in, and uh, by the time it was all said and done, it was a multi-state investigation nice. with fourteen deer and nice. Lacey Act violations nice. and the whole nine yards. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You know, those are the guys that that, yep. that you you like. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you get some gratification. Absolutely. Out of, out of pinching them. And you know, we 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 have this thing called the wildlife or the uh, yeah the violator compact. Right, and that where if you get caught in one state, and, mm-hmm. and your state is a member of that uh, violator compact, you lose your hunting and trapping privileges in that in that state and every state that's a part of that compact. Wow, and that's awesome. That is, it is on the surface, but the only thing that does is save that guy the the money that 
he's going to spend on a hunting license because if uh, he's a poacher, he's a he's going to poach. Yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah. But Four- at least there's a record of it. Yeah. Fourteen turkeys, man! Oh, I have yeah. a hard enough time getting one <laughs> each year, let alone fourteen. I mean, that's just yeah, that's crazy. I still remember his name. I'm not going to say it on the podcast, but <laughs> it I was st- John yeah. Smith. Well, yeah, <laughs> Logan, when you hunt during legal hours on legal land during the right season, it's a lot harder. Well, that's true. Yeah. When you go to the local children's zoo, on the other hand, <laughs> like you mean uh, you mean the the turkey shoot fundraiser isn't what it sounds like it is? You know, not anymore. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, there's there's just there are so many things. There are certain things that that you get a lot of gratification doing the job. There's other parts of the job that that are not as gratifying. You know, one of the one of the things that um, made me kind of wake up one day because when you first get hired, I was you can be very black and white. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got the regulations in front of you. Everybody knows you're supposed to wear an orange hat when you're rabbit hunting in the state of Indiana. Or you should. You know, it's very easy to find. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was going down the road one day, and it was a Sunday morning. No, I'm sorry. It was a Saturday morning. It was early Saturday morning. I looked down from the road. I was patrolling. I looked down, and I see four orange hats on little people and a grown man wearing a Cincinnati Reds baseball cap. Okay. Not a Cincinnati Oranges No, <laughs> no. It's a Cincinnati Reds baseball cap. And he obviously he's got he's got no I'm sorry three kids three kids out there and they were they were all rabbit hunting and of course I'm gonna stop in and I would have stopped if they were all wearing orange hats just to chat them up right. and do a license check and sure. and let them know I was out working and there are certain parts of the job that are PR related to plus mm-hmm. it was a slow morning I want to see if they were shooting any rabbits but uh, so I went through the whole check and and uh, he goes aren't you going to ask me about my reds hat and I said yeah I am. And he's, I said, what's going on with that? And he said, last night, he said, I've been promising these kids to bring them rabbit hunting for two weeks. He goes, last night I scoured the house, and I could come up with three hats. And I have one Cincinnati Reds baseball cap. And immediately it transported me to my own house and taking my own kids hunting. And what I would have done in that situation, I would have put the three hats on the kids too. And mm-hmm. instead of writing that ticket that day, I thought, you know, this guy's trying to get his kids out of here hunting. What's going to happen if I write him the ticket? Next week when they say, can we go rabbit hunting? He's going to say, no way, dude. No, no. We're, let's enroll you in the soccer league. Mm-hmm. I don't get tickets going to the so- sitting at the soccer league. Right. That, that was a good call. Yeah. In my opinion. You know, that's, because yep. he was trying to comply and he he took the opportunity instead of leaving one of his kids home. He knew the risk. He knew exactly what he was doing, and it just kind of opened my eyes that that day. Yeah. From it's not always black and white yeah. about what's going on. Well, well and it, he initiated it with you too. I mean, he straight yeah. up called out, "Listen, I right. know this is not right." Right. So. Right. And it also, you know, especially since he had kids there, that give you know kids are very impressionable. Absolutely. And now you're giving a a good experience <clears throat> with a game warden that these kids are having you know instead they remember oh yeah i went hunting with my dad and that game warden wrote him a ticket over that's his exact, baseball yeah, hat right. and that's gonna sour that kid for yeah. the rest you, of their life you got more mileage out of that encounter exactly. than probably many other encounters that you had throughout your career and and, and you're 100 percent correct i don't know how it was in indiana but in pennsylvania when i went through the academy we were taught arrest everybody for everything and that's that's that was the mindset back then. Let the court sort it out. But your job right. is if there's a violation, write it. I never held with that, and to this day I don't hold with that. 
I always felt that it was important to cite the big violations. My, I used several criteria. How did, how did that person's actions impact on the resource, for starters? If he killed more game than he was supposed to, he's getting a ticket. I don't care what he said. But something like that with an orange hat or maybe an unplugged shotgun, you know, you get more mileage out of, out of writing a warning. Well, you start, like you start down this road, you know, when you get hired and you start working these incidents where people are shot. And you develop in your own mind that, okay, if somebody's not wearing orange, they're getting a ticket because I don't want to work another one of these. Mm-hmm. If if you're working boating and they're not wearing a life jacket or they don't have life jackets, and all, it, you're getting a ticket. It's a safety violation because mm-hmm. I don't want to drag your body out of the river. Sure. Uh, but you've got to put in the human factor side of it and start yep. thinking about some of that yep. stuff. And you're you're right, Logan. Those those kids are very impressionable, and they that's what they would have taken away from that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Nothing else about the day, but my dad was given a ticket for by the game by the game warden. Yep. I can tell you another funny one. So we got a call one time. Um, some highway workers were being shot at on on a crossover on US fifty. This is a classic. This is such a good story. Um, and so I was the closest one there, and and I drive out there. And all these highway workers are huddled down behind a truck. And I'm thinking, what the heck's going on, you know? And I, I stop and I talk to them. They said, the shots are coming from that house. And now I'm asking, what are they shooting at you with? And it's like, I think it's a BB gun. <laughs> oh, I'm like, really? You called me out here for a BB gun. So I go up there and I hit and I drive up in the driveway. And as I'm walking to the front door to pound on the front door, these two little blonde-headed kids go streaking out of the back of the house and running into the woods. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I don't even need to chase you. You're right. You know, yeah, I know, yeah. I know, I even know who their dad was. Oh, geez. So he was, <laughs> he was a UPS, local UPS driver. And um, so I came back later and had those kids write up, both of them, write up the Ten Commandments of Firearm Safety mm-hmm. in an essay and explain what each one meant instead of turning anything to the juvenile. Mm-hmm. And now that one of those kids is one of my best friends. That's awesome. That's you know? so cool. Yeah. That, that is good stuff. <laughs> Talking about uh, knocking on a door makes me uh, think of another. It was a funny incident. This guy did get a ticket. But anyway, Pennsylvania, <laughs> we had to uh, we had to pick up roadkill deer, deer that were hit by cars. I don't know that they do that anymore, but back then we did. Usually, they didn't call until the deer started to stink, so or unless it was in plain view. Well, I go to the area where this deer was supposed to be, and I can't find it for whatever reason. So I go to the closest house, and I knock on the door, and a guy comes to the door, and I said, I'm here about the deer, thinking that he may be the guy that called this roadkill in. And he just kind of hung his head, and he goes, it's in the basement. I said, you have a roadkill in the basement? He goes, Aren't you here about the deer I shot last night? Oh, oh, oh. Deer, deer. I thought you said beer. I'm sorry, <laughs> officer. Yeah, the so, beer's, yeah. In, beer's he, in the basement. He whacked a deer the night before and had it hanging in his basement. Oh, and Yeah, gosh. so, yeah, he got a ticket. Wow. That's what it was, it was like. You knew it had to have been weighing on him yeah. for him to immediately yeah. go he, right Literally, that, he hung you know? his head, flushed face. He says, it's in the basement. And I thought, oh. wow, this is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Another time I did the same thing, same scenario, looking for a roadkill deer, knock on the door, somebody yells, come on in. So I open the door and come in, and there's four guys sitting at the kitchen table smoking marijuana. <laughs> I said, you guys need to be very careful about who you tell to come on in. Yeah, no yeah. kidding. 
Yeah. Oh man. So Alan, with uh, with deer season gearing up and lots of hunters hitting the field, what are we seeing lots of activity with in the listings on Gunbroker? Well, you know, we'd advised you a few episodes ago that if you were looking for a new hunting rifle, it was getting to be that time because we were starting to see an uptick in bolt yep. action sales. Yeah, you. Sorry, you've blown it. Uh, <laughs> bolt actions have, uh, you know, right now they're in their peak part of the season, so they're moving pretty quickly, pretty heavily. Uh, the prices have fallen along with them. So, uh, if you are waiting to the last minute to grab a hunting rifle, one, why get one sighted in, practice for the love of Pete, make good shots. Um, but uh, on the upside, if you've got that extra hunting rifle sitting around, you know, maybe you've got a new one this year, and now you got the old one. Might not be a bad time to throw it on the market either. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and it's funny because every year people, they wait till the last minute to get the ammo or the right, you know, it's like, guys, you know, you know, this happens every year, like usually within a couple of days of each, each one, you know, it's cyclical, but people just can't seem to get it together. And so. ammunition is so fickle. Um, oh yeah. You know, we, we saw this, uh, empty shelves. Now they've all been restocked after, you know, the pandemics kind of came out, but you know, we're seeing some geopolitical things right now that may be changing that. So yeah. depending on what calibers you shoot, you might want to get it if you see it and don't certainly run out and load up all of it and hoard it from everybody else. But I'm having absolutely. guys telling me they're having a hard time to find black powder mm. right yep. now. Yeah. Reloading supplies have been in short supply for, I mean, since the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. I have uh, a friend of mine would do very, very sketchy things for some 22-250 brass <laughs> right now. So forget, it, forget the Klondike bar. He's, yeah. He wants he needs some 22-250. Yeah. All right. Well, well. In that, we've got to wrap up. But the one more thing I, that I do want to mention. You know, we're talking about. You know, it's a bad time to find things. Get it while you know, strike while the iron's hot. Uh, Rick and I, we had talked that. You know, as a long rifle maker, he's got a two plus year waiting list yep. uh, for his guns. But in 2025, will be his 25th anniversary, and he's going to make a rifle and a fowler and a knife. Uh, and raffle them off, right? That is correct. Yeah. Yeah. So that's so that's going to be your way to kind of jump the line for for Rick's two year waiting list. So if, if it works for sheep hunters, it can work for long riflemen too. Exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah. So so with that, gentlemen, I appreciate you all sitting around the table. It's Thanks been fantastic. Thanks. Thank you very much. Yeah. Absolutely. I appreciate uh, you know y'all's dedication to to the wildlife and your careers. It's it's a, a big deal to all of us. Um, and thank you to everyone who has tuned into the show, uh, the audio and the video versions. We appreciate you joining us every week make sure you're subscribed leave us reviews and comments we really appreciate all of it and we will see you right here next week on the next episode of the no low ballers podcast (laughs) 